So I have, I have two passages of scripture uh, that I want to share with you this morning. And the first, I, I don't think I told anybody what they are, so I'm just going to read them to you. And uh, it'll be all right. For most of the history of Christianity, most people couldn't even read. So <laughs> you'll be okay without having the words in front of you. So this is a, this is a reading from Psalm. Uh, this is Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. And then this is a reading, if you would actually stand for the reading of the gospel. This is a reading from... The Gospel according to Mark. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus lifted his eyes up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered five thousand men. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can This morning, finally, 
to ponder some of the most crucial heart speak uh, or descriptions of the heart that we find uh, in the Christian life. Um, and specifically, we're considering the words uh, at the very beginning, or nearly the very beginning, of the communion liturgy that we'll celebrate together this morning. Um, this, this call and response where we say, where the celebrant of communion says, lift up your hearts, and the congregation responds, we lift them to the Lord. This is not just a description, this lifting of our hearts. It's not just a description. It's an action. Um, and, and whatever is entailed in this heart language is, uh, is an action and an experience, um, not just words. With these words, our hearts are given and our hearts are gathered. With these words, lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. With these words, we entrust our hearts into the hands of the Lord, who is both able and willing to transform them in ways that none of us can. Um, if you've worshipped with us on Tuesday nights, uh, and even if you haven't, now this morning, you know that toward the beginning of worship, while we're singing uh, the second or third song, we go to the trouble of having folks carry the gifts of communion from the back of the chapel, or this morning, from the back of that holy table over there. Uh, they carry, we carry the gifts of communion from the back of the, of the chapel to the, the communion table. And whenever there's new folks, I always try to watch them, people that haven't seen this before, um, whenever there's new folks, I always try to watch them to see their reaction the first time that they notice something coming from behind them. Uh, here come some folks with candles and bread and wine. Um, some people, you might be surprised to, to know, or maybe not, because you may, you may have been one of those people at some point. Some people are noticeably alarmed the first time. Um, their eyes widen to reveal a kind of inarticulate, vaguely Protestant anxiety. <laughs> What are these people doing, walking around with that stuff? I'm not sure why, but I don't think I like it. First comes walking around with candles and bread. Next thing you know, we'll be kissing a statue of the Virgin Mary. <clears throat> Even if you're not suspicious in that way, of the procession of the communion gifts, you might understandably think of it as superfluous or perhaps inefficient. Um, frequently we invite new people to do this and you might understandably think uh, to yourself, why are we going to the trouble of doing this now? Why didn't we just take care of this before worship started? For the record, um, this isn't just something we do at the Wesley and it certainly wasn't just my idea. It's a thoroughly and ancient, it's a thoroughly ancient and established practice in the way that Christians worship. In our gospel reading this morning, we find a clue as to the importance of this practice. The procession of the gifts in communion is that moment in the story when Jesus, looking to feed this massive crowd of people, looks to his disciples and, and says, what you got? What, are we, what do you have that we're going to use to feed these people? That's what, that's what the, the procession of the communion gifts is. Jesus looks to his disciples and says, what do you have? And they respond, we've got some bread and a couple of fish. And Jesus is like, okay, hand it over. Give it here. 
So on one level, the procession of bread and wine to the table should elicit in us a sense of expectation, if that's the kind of moment that this is. Something is going to happen to these gifts when we give them to Jesus. He's going to do something with this. But at an even more basic level, the procession of gifts should remind us and make us grateful for the way that within the space of Jesus' own offering, he is generous to make room for our offering. Jesus could, as the creator of the world, have easily snapped his fingers and made there be more than enough for everyone to eat. But he takes the trouble to receive from the hands of his disciples what they have to offer. He makes room within the space of his offering for our offering. And that is also what we're seeing in the moment that we bring forward the gifts to the table of communion. As on the hills of the wilderness, Jesus received from the hand of his disciples the offering of loaves and fishes. At the table of communion, he receives from our hands bread and wine. But bread and wine are not the only things that we come to this table to offer to Jesus. Because in just during the opening invitations of the great thanksgiving, we will say, Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. And with that word heart, when we say that word heart in that exchange, we're saying everything that is meant by the word heart. We mean its literal fleshly connotations, and we mean its soulish connotations. Everything that is meant in the word heart, we are lifting up, we are offering to Jesus with those words. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Jesus receives us ourselves as part of the material of his sacrifice in the Lord's Supper. He makes room for us to give ourselves as a part of his offering. As in the story, the moment we give what we have to Jesus in the lifting up of our hearts um, it is a moment revealing the, the profoundly paltry nature of what it is that we've got to offer I mean, the apostles, the disciples don't think that what they have to offer is even worth considering as something that could feed all of these crowds it's too paltry um, it's desperately inadequate. It's desperately little. And the moment when we lift up our hearts to the Lord is certainly one that reveals the profound poverty of our offering as well. The lifting of our hearts evokes those two clashing paradigms of scriptural descriptions of the heart that we noticed in our first evening together. The first paradigm that on the one hand God asks of us our whole hearts, he asks of us entire, complete perfect love. And yet that other scriptural paradigm that in the words of Thomas Merton makes it very clear that we are not yet people that love God perfectly. We aren't those people who have that kind of heart that God is demanding. The only hearts we have to give at this table are the fragmentary, divided, not loving God completely ones. And yet, as David testified prophetically in the writing of Psalm 51, 
a contrite heart is an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Whether knowingly or not, David's words in Psalm 51 were in anticipation. I say they were prophetic uh, in the sense that they were predictive. They were in anticipation of Jesus' offering of his own heart on the cross. It's Jesus' offering of himself that makes the offering of our hearts a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. It's the fact that Jesus has made room within the space of his offering that the sacrifice of our broken and contrite hearts and afflicted spirits is made acceptable to God. Before we ever lift our hearts to the Lord this morning, um, we will be gathered into Christ. Just before we say, lift up your hearts, I'll say to you, the Lord be with you, and you'll respond, and also with you. And with these words, we are gathered into Christ, so that when we lift up our hearts, we are lifting them within the space of Jesus' offering. As we will say later in the communion liturgy, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and a living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Jesus' offering for us is nothing more or less than his very life. On the cross, he gives his own heart as the material of a final once and for all sacrifice. His heart pierced so that blood and water come spilling out. Jesus' heart is whole and complete in its love for the Father. He is on earth the one man who is obedient to that greatest commandment of all. Jesus does love God with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his mind and all of his strength. He does love his neighbor as himself. He offers on the cross a whole, complete, and fully loving God heart. And at the table of communion, in the same way that he receives the offering of bread and wine from our hands and gives them back to us as his flesh and blood, so too, at the table of communion, Jesus receives our hearts and offers them back to us as his own heart. This table is the place where the Lord creates in us, in the words of Psalm 51, a clean heart, in the giving of our heart and receiving back from Jesus his heart, in making room for us within the space of his offering, Jesus resolves the clash of those two paradigms. This morning we give our hearts to Jesus as the disciples gave him loaves and fishes. We lift up our hearts and Jesus unifies our hearts with his own offering so that we might be the body of Christ, made bread for the life of the world. Amen.